Welcome to Silly History, I'm Matt Pekarski. I love funny stories, especially when they come from real life. I've compiled a long list of true tales that made me laugh, and now I want to share them with you. There's a lot of crazy stuff historical figures did or said, and yet we've never heard about them. History class would have been a lot more interesting with some of these sprinkled in here and there. Not that I ever disliked learning history. Hopefully there's at least a couple of yarns you haven't heard before. Let's hear one now. Charles Jofen was swimming around without a care in the world. It was the middle of the night, and he was surrounded by debris and screaming people. But that didn't bother him. He had his life vest on, and the water didn't feel too cold. So he just kept paddling and paddling. A short while ago, he had been sleeping in his bunk, when the sound of steel buckling and separating jolted him awake. He immediately knew that something was amiss, not to mention, of course, that everyone was running around in a panic. Charles was on the Titanic, the largest, most opulent, glamorous, swinging ocean liner sailing the Atlantic in 1912. The ship had just departed on its maiden voyage from Southampton, England, to New York City. On board were over 2,000 passengers, including everyone from the wealthiest people in the world to emigrants traveling with the hopes of starting new lives in the United States and Canada. The ship left port on April 10th, with the intent to reach New York Harbor seven days later. But on the fateful night of April 14th and into the wee hours of April 15th, the waters were as still as a pond. Suddenly, out of nowhere. Well, you already know. Charles calmly got out of bed. The chief baker wasn't much of a sailor, but that didn't stop him from creating delicious confections or keeping a clear head in the middle of a crisis, whether that crisis was in the kitchen or when his ship ran right into an iceberg. He rounded up his crew and the 14 men hustled to pack up emergency food supplies. After gathering as much as they could, his men lugged 40 pounds of bread and biscuits to the upper deck, stuffing them into lifeboats and ensuring that survivors had something to eat while they waited to be rescued. Since the ship was slowly sinking, Charles was confident that he had plenty of time to walk back into his bunk and take a breather. He poured himself a hefty glass of liquor, raised it to his lips, and steadily tipped the liquid courage down his throat. If there was a better time to get sloshed, he couldn't come up with one. The booze quickly seeped into his veins, coursing up and into his head. He then made his way topside to help with getting passengers into the lifeboats. The bitter air felt good after imbibing the hard stuff. Fear was rampant everywhere. Charles was the only person feeling pretty good in that moment. He was instructed to take his reserved seat in one of the lifeboats, but he chose to stay on board and let someone else take his spot. Instead, he went on to help the many women who were too scared to enter the lifeboats on their own. Along with several other men, he scooped each woman up and into his arms, and quite literally flung them into the smaller vessels. All of the lifeboats were dispatched, the ship was tilting more and more, and the chances of rescue and survival were evaporating. There wasn't much left for Charles to do at this point. He climbed his way back down to the lower deck and popped back into his cabin for another stiff drink. Water was streaming into his room, but that didn't hasten his pace in downing a half-full tumbler. He figured that he still had time to get out. The water only reached the top of his feet, after all. When the glass was empty, he made his way back up to the top deck and began throwing furniture overboard to be used as flotation devices. The exercise made him thirsty, so he quickly went back down one last time, 
and this time for a drink of water. On his final ascent, Charles clambered up to the stern railing. He was feeling pretty good when the ship broke in two, barely noticing the catastrophic shock of the two halves severing. He tied on a life vest, and as the vessel slid under the icy surface of the water, he gracefully stepped in. Most of the survivors would have described the temperature shock as if they were being stabbed by a thousand knives, but Charles was more or less unfazed. The tip of the Titanic's stern finally sunk below the water's surface. The bow was already nearing the ocean floor, plummeting two and a half miles downward at a speed of 35 miles per hour. Its rear half wasn't far behind. Charles floated and paddled around for the next couple of hours until dawn, when a lifeboat came to his rescue. He later commented that he felt colder out of the water than in. The RMS Carpathia finally arrived to collect the survivors. Aside from a pair of swollen feet, Charles was perfectly unharmed, and within a matter of days, he was back on another ship, baking on board for the next 30-plus years, serving everyone from world travelers to troops in the Second World War. On the now-infamous night of April 14, 1912, Charles was given a second chance at life thanks to a bottle of booze. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, please subscribe, give it a five-star rating, and share with not one but two of your friends. If I haven't told your favorite silly story from history, send me an email at nightowlbroadcasting at gmail.com. Subject, Silly History Story. This show is a Night Owl production.